Alexa, play Radio St. George. Salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. Welcome to the never-ending quest for clarity. This is Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Hey, welcome to Loving Liberty. All right, I'm excited. It's Friday, of course. That's exciting in and of itself. Uh, So the fall colors are showing. I may be weird, but that excites me. This is also the last time that uh, my show is going to air in this time slot. Got a little bit of a schedule change coming up starting on Monday. I don't want to tip our hand, but I'm just going to tell you it's going to be exciting and and I think you're going to really enjoy it. We've got a couple of new programs we're bringing to the network. And uh, anyway, anyway, I'll be on at a new time to be announced on Monday. All right. I, I want to take a moment here. And I just, if I had a cowboy hat, I would hand it to Ammon Bundy and say, dude, you deserve this more than anybody else. You know, since Ammon was released from prison, where he was being held without conviction, he was just being held because... Well, there were people in the federal government who felt like he was the most dangerous person on the face of the planet. And if you don't believe me, you would have you should have seen the way that they would transport him and his brother and his dad and others back and forth between the jail and the courthouse during their trial about two years ago in Las Vegas. I'm not exaggerating when I'm telling you helicopters overhead. They'd put them in this caravan of vehicles with police lights going, sirens wailing, and I mean driving to pedal to the metal through Las Vegas, all the way out to Pahrump, where they would take them to the jail. Yeah, it was it was quite a production. And that's exactly what it was. It was, you know, state-sponsored melodrama. The most dangerous prisoners on the planet in transit. Who just a few months later walked out of that courthouse, free men, without the possibility of being charged for the same crimes they had been charged with before because prosecutorial misconduct had been uncovered and was so egregious the judge said there's there's no way that retrying this case is going to result in justice being done. Dismissed with prejudice and to this day Ammon is a free man. Now, you can imagine he had a lot of picking up and putting together to do in his life after being away from his family for nearly two years. Somehow... In the midst of that, he was able, his family was able to keep making the payments on his small business administration loan. He has since sold his business. uh, And I'll tell you what, Ammon, I I would never, I would never wish anything on you, you know, horrible, like being an attorney. But sometimes I think this guy really should, he should go to law school and he should become an attorney because he is sharp when it comes to laying out the case for where the government is cutting corners or where it is misbehaving. I saw this in the brief that he released for the family up in, uh, I believe it was up in Montana, that is having issues and has been having issues with the Forest Service, and particularly a Forest Service employee who's had an eye on their land and a desire to take something from them that uh, that he shouldn't. Ammon wrote this incredible write-up for it. Details, facts, figures, dates, page numbers, paragraphs, the whole nine yards, spelling out where the wrong had been done. And he has just done a similar one that uh, he shared with people earlier this week in Salt Lake City before Rick Kerber's sentencing in federal court. So I will post this in the show notes today. I want you to to follow this through. The uh, website, if you want to just check it out yourself, I mean, I don't want to make you wait here. Rick Kerber Truth. R-I-C-K-K-O-E-R-B-E-R Truth dot blogspot Dot com. And this is the post that uh, that Ammon had put up on uh, on Wednesday. Rick was sentenced on Tuesday afternoon, but he Ammon has added a couple other things to it. I look as much as I would would take it as a compliment if you're like, well, okay, Brian, if you say this is you know this is something true, I guess I'll I'll treat it like such. But I, I really I want you to read it for yourself. You make up your own mind. You weigh it out and see. If you think that uh, that the government has done anything resembling justice, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to believe. I'm not insisting you believe. 
I'm just saying take the time to read it and consider what has been done to Rick Kerber and his family after you see some of the facts that somehow, huh, strangely, just didn't make it into the mainstream news narrative, which always seems to favor those in power and always seems to operate on the assumption that, well, they wouldn't do what they're doing if they didn't have some good reason for doing so. I wish it were that simple. I wish we lived in a world where we could trust people in government and in positions of authority not to abuse their power, but it is part of human nature. And again, I think Ammon just does a masterful job of setting forth the facts that a majority of people clearly do not understand. All the people who are high-fiving, yeah, all right, they finally got Rick Kerber, they put him in jail, that fraudster. Because all they know about him is, is what they have gleaned from a headline. They probably didn't even read the story. They just know what a sensational headline told them, and, and that's enough to go on. Take a look at what Ammon has put together here. His work is amazing. You know, for for a guy who, you know, people were making fun of as Yal-Qaeda, you know, when they were up in Oregon, Ammon does a very good job of organizing and putting forth the information. He does it very professionally. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, the legal work that he and his team had to do in order to present their case in court. I better knock on wood as I say this, but if I ever found myself in the government's crosshairs, Ammon is the guy I would want on my side. Because not only is he a very truthful and insightful man, but he is humble, he is utterly faithful to God, and he's very courageous. There are powerful people who have been shown to be um, less than trustworthy, less than honest, less than decent. And Ammon has called them out, and not for the sake of just simply putting other people down, but it always, always in the interest of protecting other people from these predatory authority figures. That kind of makes me worry for him sometimes. I think he probably has a pretty big target on his back. Why? Because he's threatening people's power and power is something that uh, we have seen all too often throughout human history people are willing to kill or commit fraud for or lie or steal or cheat in order to maintain their power and i will go on the record as saying i thank god for men like ammon bundy who have the courage and the decency to stand up for those people who are being manhandled by a system that's proclaiming justice while it's doing exactly the opposite and becoming a source of injustice. We need more people like him. You and I, to the best of our ability, need to be the kind of person who can stand up and say these kind of things with confidence and, and state the facts and understand the facts. So... Look in the show notes. When I post this for podcast, you'll have the opportunity to see it for yourself. Rick Kerber, truth.blogspot.com. Very, very worth your while. Right. I got a couple other things here now that I want to share with you. Um, one of these, let's, let's talk about this. Facing tomorrow like a futurist. When I say the word futurist, what comes to mind? What, what do you see? My older sister... And I don't know if she's serious about it or not, but uh, but by gosh, she has her turban. She is Madam, I think it's Madam Grenadine, and she is now a fortune teller, which I think is awesome because I've needed somebody like that on my side for a long time. <laughs> and so I can just check with her. Hey, I know she hasn't got the crystal ball. She said those are kind of expensive, but uh, she can tell my fortune. But is that what you think of when you think of a futurist? Because that's, that's kind of the first thing that pops into my brain is, oh, okay, it's... It's someone, you know, predicting the future or, you know, accessing that third eye and, and trying to see beyond the present. But when I share this with you, I think you're going to find that uh, actually maybe we all should be futurists to some degree. This article is on Foundation for Economic Education's website, fee.org. It is a collaboration between Brooke Medina and Doug McCullough. 
and they actually paint uh, futurists in a very favorable light. It's not at all, you know, Zoltar telling you your future because you plugged a quarter into the machine and made a wish. It's not uh, Madame Grenadine telling you your chances at the horse track. It's more about uh, learning to recognize the trends and make the connections and connect the dots. And I love this line from the story. I'm gonna, I'll share this with you after the break, but the line says, tomorrow will look a lot like the decisions we make today. Now, that's profound. And unfortunately, it describes a mindset that I don't believe that many people hold. I think a lot of people are very caught up in the present. A lot of people are living in the past. But there aren't very many people actively trying to see where might this lead in the future? What are the possibilities? What are the potential consequences or advantages of doing things this way or alternatively this way? Hopefully by the time I share this with you, you will uh, feel like, you know what, we should all be futurists. We'll take a quick break. Back right after these messages. Has your health care become a burden? Are you tired of worrying about being stuck for another year and concerned about what your options are? Liberty HealthShare is the solution. Open enrollment is here, and this is your chance to free yourself from insurance. Take this opportunity and join Liberty HealthShare. You will be in control, and you will have the freedom over your health care decisions. Liberty HealthShare offers an open network, which means you choose your doctors and you choose your hospitals, not the government government and not the insurance companies. Liberty HealthShare offers freedom from insurance, meaning there are no tax penalties. It's easy to change. Just call Liberty HealthShare today at 855-585-4237. That's 855-585-4237. Or visit their website at libertyhealthshare.org. That's libertyhealthshare.org. When it comes to your pain, many of you might be skeptical, like I was, about ordering Relief Factor. Pat Boone again for this wonderful 100% drug-free supplement designed to help your own body lower or eliminate occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, everyday living. I'm not skeptical any longer. The three-week quick start is now discounted to only $19.95. Why don't you let us see if we can get you out of pain, too, at relieffactor.com. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. Let's think about customization presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Liberty Mutual customizes your auto insurance so you only pay for what you need. So why aren't more things in life customizable? Why isn't a burger cheaper when you ask for no onions? I don't want them. So shouldn't you deduct the price of the onions, right? Otherwise, I'm paying for the onions, but I'm not receiving any onions. Go to LibertyMutual.com for a customized quote and you could save. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Coverage is underwritten by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company and Affiliates. Equal housing insurer. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the blue star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Welcome back to Loving Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. You can join the conversation if you're catching the live stream. If you're listening to the podcast, well, I don't know, shoot me an email or something. I, you know, I'd love to hear from you. 801-331-8113 is the number to call in. Let's talk about facing the future like a futurist. This is a collaborative essay by Brooke Medina and Doug McCullough. They say the world is filled with staggering technological advancements, such as food created by 3D printing, emerging carbon capture technologies that convert carbon into fertilizer or energy, 
and of course the promise of carbon, I'm sorry, quantum computing. And while the arc of progress has consistently moved us toward abundance, rapid change also brings growing pains like future, or I'm sorry, like political or market unrest and career displacement. By anticipating change like a futurist, you may be better equipped to seize emerging opportunities and mitigate the risks of unanticipated disruptions. Now, the first thing they set out to do is they, they set out to answer the question, what is a futurist? And their explanation says a futurist is more than a technophile or a daydreamer. Rather, a futurist is someone who sees beyond the here and now, not limiting himself to short-term concerns. He studies how people behave, is familiar with emerging technology, and is attuned to shifts in the market. And this approach to thinking about the future is sometimes referred to as mindful anticipation because he's already thought through which changes might lie ahead, mindful anticipation, he's able to make careful preparations. And this deliberate methodical readying for the future requires strategic thinking. But it also demands a certain level of nimbleness and intellectual humility, because there will be unknown variables that a futurist can't fully account for when forecasting. During periods of disruption... It can be easy to feel like you're on a rocky sea in a dinghy that's lost its oars. Without the oars, you're completely at the mercy of the wave's whims. Thinking like a futurist by sharpening your skills and challenging the status quo is like possessing the oars you need to successfully navigate the coming change. It's all about preparing and adapting. The authors here say the future is comprised of new realities that have emerged from our current landscape. This provides numerous opportunities to thoughtfully develop skills as a way to mitigate risks. The lifelong learner acknowledges the disruption automation and globalization create and find ways, finds ways to use it as a catapult into an emerging industry or to achieve greater security in their current field. This might look like deepening or broadening one's professional expertise or refining interpersonal skills. As they've written previously, adaptation to new realities requires resilience. We're living in a knowledge-based economy, and it's no longer enough to get a college degree and assume your education is complete. Instead, adaptation requires continual learning, updating of existing technical skills, development of new skills, and improving soft skills. Man, is that true. So what can we learn from the futurists in our midst? In our midst? They tell us few industries are more poised for radical change in the near term than transportation. With the dawn of electric and autonomous vehicles, rising preferences for ride-hailing over car ownership, and visions of hyperloops, the automotive industry is bracing for massive disruption. As John Zimmer, co-founder of Lyft, believes, quote, We are on the brink of a massive shift in personal transportation, moving away from ownership and into transportation as a service, end quote. Now, here the authors say, if stalled and declining car sales are any indication, the first knell of ubiquitous auto ownership has already rung. In light of this looming shift, it's no wonder that Ford Motor Company has its own in-house futurist. According to Cheryl Connolly, her main role is to push back on the status quo and expect the unexpected, to consider the physical realities, the economic effect, etc., taking into account all possibilities and extremes and try to prepare for a range of different outcomes. End quote. So questioning the status quo and anticipating the unexpected are traits each of us should be cultivating when it comes to our careers or businesses or personal lives. The future is determined by today's decisions. And futurists are individuals who've learned to harness their existing knowledge and synthesize it with present dynamics so they can make informed, informed projections about the future. Now, this requires curiosity and imagination. If anticipating change and challenging a business-as-usual mentality are a futurist's oars, then curiosity is their compass. Walt Disney, known the world over for his unyielding curiosity, which evolved into imagineering, is an example of this tenacious inquisitiveness. For Disney, sitting on his laurels was never an option. He said, around here, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths, end quote. And again, the authors remind us we can leverage our curiosity 
to guide us in problem solving and goal setting. And doing so helps us avoid the pitfalls that come from merely accepting today's accomplishments as a professional or personal zenith. Curiosity, pushing back against the status quo, and anticipating change are critical for those who hope to masterfully navigate change and shape their future. But it's also essential that we distinguish between what is worth our time and energy and what's just a pipe dream. Next, they talk about science fiction versus the real world and point out how this past summer they celebrated the 50th anniversary. Actually, we all celebrated the 50th anniversary of the lunar landing. Soon, NASA plans to go much farther, putting humans and their robot helpers on Mars, something that might be attainable as early as 2030. However, fantasizing about the future in an effort to escape the disappointments and difficulties of the present is neither a wise nor practical solution. Elon Musk's SpaceX chimera should serve as a model of how not to futurism. Musk envisions humans colonizing Mars in order to escape the ravages of Earth's changing climate. Yet what of the millions of low- and middle-income Americans getting priced out of housing in urban centers throughout the country? See, finding earthly solutions to problems on this planet will not only help us avoid the astronomical costs associated with creating an Elysium, but also allow us to support those who need it the most. And by discerning what's feasible rather than investing enormous amounts of energy and capital into flights of fancy, we can prudently devote our attention and capital to solving problems here on Earth. So that leaves us with the question of shaping our own future. And here the authors say, if you let the media, politicians, and catastrophists shape your view of the world, you might think we're facing insurmountable problems, of which our only choices are unprecedented human suffering, alternate planet colonization, or accepting more government intervention. That sounds about right. I mean, I talk to people every day that have this viewpoint. But they say, in reality, we are living in a time of tremendous human progress and abundance. Author Robert Bryce explains that progress, in part, by the work of innovators, continually making things, uh, progress in part works by making things smaller, faster, lighter, denser, and cheaper. We're far from solving all of the world's social, moral, and material problems, but according to the Brookings Institute, 2019 started with the lowest prevalence of extreme poverty ever recorded in human history. How come we don't talk about that? For that matter, how come politicians don't spend a little time talking about that instead of, uh, which one of us hates millionaires the most? Well, you guys are all millionaires. What? Oh, well, still, uh, billionaires, they're bad people. <laughs> you get the picture. They conclude the article by saying, in America, working class families enjoy conveniences that would have been unimaginable for elites just a century ago. Appreciating how technological progress and human ingenuity are pr improving the quality of life for billions can inspire each of us to be a part of advancing human flourishing. We don't have to be blindsided by unanticipated forces. We are not powerless to shape our future. But it will take anticipation, preparation, and I love this last one, and optimism that we can make the world around us better. Tomorrow will look a lot like the decisions we make today. This is the work of Brooke Medina, as well as Doug McCullough. And this article is published on the Foundation for Economic Education's website, fee.org. I will include it in the show notes. And when we come back, I've got another little footnote to this, uh, courtesy of uh, our friends at the Foundation for Economic Education. I think it was uh, Sean Malone had a brilliant observation about that disruptive technology and how it's actually a good thing. Trusted Voices of Truth and Insight. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. President Trump saying he's demonstrated what he calls tough love over Syria to get Turkey to agree to a temporary ceasefire, which Turkey is calling a mere pause in the fighting. At a campaign rally in Dallas last night, the president said he had to let Turkey and Syrian Kurdish forces fight for a few days in order to make that deal that was announced late yesterday. Turkey agreeing to a five-day halt to its campaign against those Kurdish forces to give them a chance to get out of the region if they 
they choose to. On strike for over a month now, GM workers are to vote on a tentative deal with the automaker this weekend. History made in space today. The spacewalk today did begin officially at 6.38 a.m. Central Time. The first all-female spacewalk with astronauts Christina Cook and Jessica Meir continuing. And this is USA Radio News. So there's this guy named Jordan, and he's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. But then he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer, stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jordan and his wife Jenny was, is this really going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. If you want to find out more, here's a number for you. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. President Trump speaking to a friendly crowd in the Lone Star State last night at a campaign rally talking about the Democratic leaders on Capitol Hill, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. That crazy Nancy, she is crazy. And shifty shift. How about this guy? How about this guy? The president referring to his phone call with the Ukrainian president back in July and referencing Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff. He makes up my conversation, which was perfect. He makes up my conversation. Powers again being shut off to parts of California, this time Southern California, because of high winds and fire danger. Southern California Edison has killed the power to only a few customers in Kern County for now, but more than 22,000 customers are on the under-consideration list to have their power shut off today. And this is USA Radio News. Hey, once again, welcome back to Loving Liberty. So I'm on a little bit of a future kick this time around. In that uh, I want to be a futurist. I want to be the guy who can see some of these changes coming. And I'll admit, I have spent a good portion of my life... I wouldn't say living in the past, but I've been thoughtfully looking over my shoulder and reminiscing, and uh, I, I don't know that that's always been the best way to do things. But I see things changing, and I, I, what's more is I am I'm rubbing shoulders with people who are very good at anticipating changes and thinking like futurists, and I can't tell you what a rush it is. I mean, it is exciting to see the possibilities. And I say this as someone who has spent, let's see, this uh, as of December, it'll be 35 years since I cracked open the microphone on my radio career. 35 years. Holy cow, I'm old. But I tell you this to make you understand, it's hard for me to look at, uh, at radio and realize it's going the same way that newspaper has gone. Newspaper has, I mean, it's reached its zenith. There are newspapers around, and I still love them. Still, you know, there's something about the tangible feel of paper under your fingers and sitting down, you know, to read the paper with your morning breakfast or whatever. In fact, when I visit, uh, it's typically when I'm visiting either my in-laws or visiting my mom. It's it's senior citizens that typically have a newspaper sitting around. I'll always pick it up just to see, you know, hey, wonder what's going on. But you know where most people get their news, right? We just pull it up on our phone or we pull it up on our computer. The Internet has rendered newspaper largely obsolete. And the traditional model that kept newspapers alive, selling advertising, is falling apart. Even the newspapers that put their, their content behind a paywall find there's very serious competition. So when I see the same kind of thing happening to radio, courtesy of podcasting and digital broadcast, or at least the, the whole digital platform, you could understand if I tell you that's a little bit painful for me. I have, I have 35 years of my life wrapped up in, in radio and broadcast. 
But it's my understanding that emerging automobile models won't even have radios anymore. Remember when it used to be a big deal? Yeah, this one comes standard with AM and FM. Wow, what a deluxe model. Hey, is that rich Corinthian leather? (laughs) Well, radio won't even be an option. And by the way, this isn't to suggest that every, every radio station you might listen to is, you know, dying on the vine. Some of them are adapting. It's crazy how many of them have actually gone to an app to where you simply say, Alexa, turn on such and such station. But the changes are happening. And the smart people are the ones who anticipate it coming and adapt accordingly. The ones who cling and hold on for dear life, no, 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 this isn't going to change, are going to end up with the same kind of frustration and the same fate as the people who made buggy whips during the time that the car was introduced to human society. There's a really great uh, little piece here. This is uh, John Miltimore, who writes for the Foundation for Economic Education, posted this courtesy of his friend Sean Malone, who also works for FEE. And Sean Malone made this this observation. I, I hope you can relate to this. In 2000, Netflix was busy trying to kill Blockbuster, a company with massively dominant market share in the movie rental business. Come on, we can all remember what it was like, right? Got to get down to the video store quick. <clears throat> the new releases are going to be out. I want to make sure we get a copy of the latest release of whatever it is that came out before they're all rented out. Well, by 2007, after Blockbuster had rejected numerous opportunities to buy Netflix several times, Netflix became a streaming video service and started blowing up while Blockbuster began consistently losing money. A year later, NBC Universal decided to put its big library of content into a new service called Hulu. But it didn't have as great an interface, and users still had to watch ads just like live TV. By 2010, Netflix had what some might think of as a natural monopoly in digital streaming based solely on what's called the first mover advantage. It figured out the technology before anybody else, so it had no true competitors for a few years. By getting to streaming movies and TV shows first, it became a multi-billion dollar giant. But... Here's the kicker. Netflix had no government protecting it from competition. So Hulu introduces Hulu Plus in 2010, still struggled to find its footing, still wasn't really competing with movies or original content. By 2011, Amazon Prime Instant Video, which had been in the works as a Netflix rental competitor for years, added thousands of movies to its library. Meanwhile, Vudu was allowed to start, was was founded to allow people to rent or buy movies or stream them at home. Blockbuster also started a streaming service in 2011, but it was too late, and they went bankrupt, a victim of creative destruction. Now, here's what's interesting. Remember, Netflix is dominant at this point, but by 2015, you have groups like, or you have stuff like Shutter, PlayStation View, Sling TV, by 2017, YouTube TV, and Philo. By 2018, we started seeing really specific streaming services like DC Universe and the announcement of Disney+. Now, AMC has just announced a new streaming service, that launches pretty much immediately. And Sean Malone says, I say this because I want people to really grok how this works. With no central plan, no political decision-making, no legislative controls on what people had to do with their resources. Enterprising individuals like Reed Hastings offered people a service, and those people responded positively. Now, for a small moment in time, the first mover had a monopoly, but without any antitrust action or restrictive regulations, that monopoly disappeared almost as soon as it was formed, assuming that you agree that it ever had one, with uh, given how many people were already working on similar products, thanks to other individuals also recognizing the demand for product and offering alternatives. Now we are awash in streaming content, and the flood is unlikely to stop anytime soon. That, my friend, is why the market, the free market, is superior to government-run central planning. All right, let's get to the phone. Thank you for your patience. Welcome to Loving Liberty. Hey, Brian, Sam calling. Hello, Sam. The only thing I would disagree with some of that on is uh, there are some things in which government does work behind the scenes in supporting, uh, you know, monetarily and through uh, bending rules and regulations for certain corporations at the expense of others. 
and uh, that's the only thing that I would disagree with in that piece. However, having said that, here's an example of how you, you have to work around technology sometimes. One of the things that bothers me is this move toward, there's two things that bother me. One is the move toward strictly streaming content, and the other one is the move toward less car ownership because what does that mean for all of us that means less freedom that means you're if you're on if you have to stream everything you listen to you're tethered to an internet connection all the time whether you want to be or not the classic podcasting that we started out with as an example in podcasting you downloaded the mp3s you took them on the road and you didn't have to be tethered to an internet connection you could play them on anything uh, as an example of working around that problem, one of the things that I do, because I get tired of them to fight with all these services, in order, like, for example, to air your broadcast, I, I air you live, and then I air you as a replay during the uh, later evening hours. And so what I do to get around that problem, I record you in-house. And that way, um, it's there. All I have to do is just um, is just get automation to call it up, and bam, it's done. And... Um, you know, it's just an example, and this is one of the things I try to tell a lot of my audience, too, and that is you got to learn to be one hit, one step ahead of the game. And, it's, it's you know, there are going to be times you're going to be more successful than others, but you got to learn when something comes up in your way, you know, to uh, try to step around the obstacle. And, I and um, you know, I'll be the first one to, to get aggravated with some of the trends that I'm seeing the only thing that I would suggest, though, out of all this is where are we in this effort to preserve liberty in all this? If you don't own your car, for example, we're talking about cars now, okay? If you don't own your car, if we're moving into an age of autonomous cars, if you're either driving it or somebody else is driving it. That's a good point. And if you're driving it, you're not in charge. Yeah, it's and Eric Peters, I think, has actually done a really good job of... of sounding the warning on that too he's like hey they call it autonomous but it ain't your autonomy that it's referring to somebody else is still going to be in charge that's why i love his article so much because he gets it he gets it on all fronts he gets it on the you know where technology is moving and it's not it's not a good way i mean uh, if we i mean like for example there's been a lot of things that have paved the way for this we've been taxed on our cars for years and i i would go so far as to say that Perhaps was that not a way to gradually part us with ownership? I mean, uh, in both our homes and our cars, because that's where it's moving. Real estate the same way. I mean, we're getting into a point now where, and we have for years, where you can't own your own your own place even now. Very true. Hey, I appreciate you bringing these concerns up, Sam. I think you're spot on, and I look forward to continuing our, our conversation. You want to stick around through the uh, break? Oh, Sure. Hang with me. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. This is Loving Liberty. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. You know, I'm not a genius about money. I love my credit cards, and they love me. I was using them as a source of income, and then I got behind in my payments, and creditors were calling. I figured I had a problem, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I heard about Trinity, so I called and talked to a counselor. In half an hour, we worked out a plan. Now I've got one easy monthly payment, a lower interest rate, and I'm getting out of debt. If you're in an endless cycle of paying on credit card balances that never seem to go away, then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity will consolidate your accounts, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Call 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Call 1-800-990-6976. 
The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. This is Stacy on her motorcycle. What an incredible view! And this is Stacy off her motorcycle. Does this have sucralose in it? On her motorcycle. Oh, the wind in my hair! Off her motorcycle. Uh, it's pronounced etc., not etc. On. Woohoo! Yes! Off. No. You're better on your bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, quote today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Welcome back to Loving Liberty. I've got Sam on the line with me from Missouri. And uh, Sam, we're talking about uh, disruptive technology. I have to ask you this as, as we resume our conversation. Um, were you like me? Did you did you resist change? Or have you always been uh, pretty okay with, uh, hey, a new adventure, I'll just roll with it? It depends on what it is. Now, digital, if done right, I celebrate it because used to when i tried to do this work i was having would you believe at one time when i was doing this work i was playing everything off of um, uh beta vcr tapes wow see how long those last and you run them a lot that sounds and, pretty labor intensive too oh yeah and they wear out you got to get new ones and all that kind of stuff and now we have hard drives and flash drives and drives that just keep going and going i mean the the drive that i play you guys back off of and i'm probably about due to replace it when i run you during the replays is probably about three years old and it's still going amazing 24 hours a day seven days a week it's spinning but it, it's it's so much better in that regard now where we're getting into trouble is the digital cartels like in the case of microsoft I just had a friend of mine who moved over to Mac from Microsoft because he had a problem with Microsoft. Every time he'd go to record his show to post for me, uh, he would um, get disrupted by an update, and it would stop his recording. He got tired of it. And uh, he, uh, he moved over to Mac and turned all that stuff off. Now he's doing just fine. And I'm not saying you should do that or anybody else should do that, but that was his way of solving the problem. Wow. So, you know, these... That's, I think the biggest thing we got to worry about more than anything else is I think these cartels are going to, they're going to, if we're not careful, we're going to lose the free market in all of this. Because um, I was reading an interesting article last night that a friend sent over to me. Do you remember the recording artist years ago? I don't know if you remember her or not, but she was a rebel in her time, Janice Ian. She did a yeah. song, society's child well she's actually still out there writing on her blog and uh, facebook and everything else and she's been talking about her um, her amounts of time she's been in facebook jail and all this kind of stuff and and she made the same statement and as a recording artist she said the biggest problem we have is the the recording industry of america because they are retarding anything that could otherwise be a good thing about music they're doing everything they can to take music out of our hands and, and make it a commodity in which only they have full control over. Well, I'm looking forward to what the future is bringing, even if it does come with a few growing pains. Yeah, uh, we just got to learn to work around them, and uh, I'm constantly doing that every day, you know, so uh, just keep that in mind. There has to be some of us out here that have to push back against some of it, though, in the way it's going in the defense of liberty. Now, how we do that, 
is going to be something that we can't answer until we get there, unfortunately, because we don't know what curveballs are going to be thrown at us. Here, here. But, you know, we're going to keep uh, putting that message out there. You bet. Absolutely. Take care, Brian. Okay, Sam, thank you so much for the call. I'm going to shift gears here for a moment. And uh, speaking of technology that I, that I sometimes tend to resist, took a train trip yesterday to a strange and faraway city. And from there, I needed to walk to get to an appointment. Now, that's not a bad thing. It's just I don't do a ton of walking. But um, I noticed that they had these little electronic scooters. And I'm not quite bold enough that I thought, you know what? I think I'll just jump on one of these and give it a whirl. I kind of wish I had, especially on my way back to the train, because I was actually under a little bit of time pressure. I made it, but I thought, man, I hope nobody on this train realizes I'm sitting here breaking a sweat because... I was walking fast after a really good lunch. But uh, there's an article here from the American Institute for Economic Research. I scoot. (laughs) It's by Michael Munger. And I think I'm not alone in that uh, that reluctance. I see young people. By the way, I saw people using these scooters left and right. Mostly young people. So I thought maybe I would look out of out of place. I mean, I've got enough gray in my beard. They might they might think, okay, careful, old man, you know, don't hurt yourself. Here's what Michael Munger says. He says, I'm 61 years old and I am in shape, if round is a shape. I'm well past whatever athletic capacity I once had. But, he says, I walk a lot. In cities, I try to walk anywhere I can. That's partly because I hate taxis and Uber sometimes takes a long time to pick up. He says, the reason I walk is that I like to see the city. Turn down some streets on a whim, stop and gape at nice buildings or lovely parks. But he says, the problem with walking, given my roundness, is that I get all sweaty. Now, that's okay if I'm walking to exercise, but if I'm walking to get somewhere where I'm going to give a talk or participate in a conference, I need something that has wheels. And he says, worried about injuring myself, I have until now avoided using those ubiquitous rent-a-scooters. And he says, I'm partially worried about the ridicule, I'll admit. After an ice storm in Raleigh, I once slipped in my driveway and tore the quadriceps muscle in my leg. I lay in the driveway on the slippery ice and stared at the planes flying overhead. Eventually, I tried to open the car door to blow the horn to get my wife to come help me into the house, but the car door was locked. Eventually, I crawled into the house and told my wife what had happened. She asked if I needed to get to the hospital, so I said I thought I could wait till the next day. She said helpfully, well, at least you already iced it. So you see what I'm dealing with here. If I came home with a broken wrist from riding an orange or trip scooter, I would have to face withering scorn. But he says, this weekend I found myself in Washington, D.C. at my hotel, about one and a half miles from the conference venue. And there were scooters outside. I know the area, and it was possible to take side streets and avoid the congested roads. So I downloaded the app, filled in my financial information, and scanned the code to unlock my little wheeled steed. I had looked in advance, and Uber would have been 7.45 and was estimated to take eight minutes. Well, that was the benchmark then. Of course, in an Uber, I wouldn't have the same view of the sky and my surroundings, and it was a lovely October day in D.C. I was wearing a dark suit, a tie, and heavy wingtip shoes, but what the heck? I pushed off on the scooter, and nothing. Turns out you have to push it to get to a pretty good speed to get the thing to work. I pushed off again harder, and I was off. Another thing. Turns out that having no springs and very hard, small wheels means you have to be really careful even about small cracks and potholes. But you don't have to go very fast to make progress if you're only going a mile and a half, even walking the thing on major crossroads with lights. He says, I made it in about nine minutes. So that's roughly 10 miles per hour. And since I did spend several minutes walking at intersections, I was probably doing more like 15 miles per hour, the supposed top speed, some of the time. I put down the kickstand. There's a designated scooter parking area at the venue and parked the thing. I pressed end ride on the app, and I was done. Cost $3.46, and I got to see the world a little. My right leg was still a little stiff from being in an uncomfortably flexed position, but I'm sure that with practice, I'd learn to relax and learn to ride. Now, he says, the motor is certainly powerful. I weigh 240, and it had no problem on the gentle hills, though I bet a long, steep hill might have been a problem. An Uber might have been faster, but I'm not sure that's true. And it wouldn't have been as much fun. 
Now, he says, when rental, when electric rental scooters first appeared on city streets in spring of 2018, it was clear that the rental companies had decided it was better to ask for forgiveness than permission. The scooters simply appeared in many U.S. cities in their initial rollout, though Bird had been in Santa Monica, California, since September 2017 as a trial. The result, predictably, was confusion and resentment. I'm afraid the companies were guilty of Pauline Kale syndrome, thinking that since everyone they knew loved the scooters, everyone would think that. Well, they weren't right about that. And since now many people hate scooters, he says there, there are still a whole lot of them out there. But of course, he says the scooters are much older than the high-tech version that I wrote. The first scooter using small wheels and handlebars for turning appeared in 1817 in, Ger- in Germany. And who can p- forget what Michael J. Fox did in the first Back to the Future movie, knocking off the handlebar post so he could skateboard tease Biff's car into a manure pile. After its launch as a product and quickly as a fad in, tw- in 2000, the Razor scooters sold more than 5 million units within six months. They were sturdy, collapsible, and shiny. He says both my sons had one and they became quite adept. Now, quite a few cities have regulated the use or availability of the scooters, like Los Angeles, Chicago, and D.C., for instance. They've all had pilot programs. CBS actually did a recent segment on them, trying to be fair, but it's hard to sustain the argument against these things for long. Yes, there are problems with managing the scooters and the formal rules and conventions of using them have to be worked out. Deciding if they're vehicles on roads or sidewalks, yeah, that's still being worked out. But he says, if you travel in Asian countries, there are far fewer cars than you'll find in central cities. Some central European countries, or some European countries, rather, are dominated by bicycles and other vehicles that are easier to park. By the way, the U.S. obsession with free parking is probably doomed, but these scooters are a big step forward. He says you're likely to see a lot more old people and people dressed in business attire using scooters soon. The advantage of fast, nearly free mobility in center cities are just too great to pass up. I only wish that I had read this article before yesterday. I think I would have taken a chance, even if somebody said, hey, aren't you a little old to be riding that thing? Timely, credible, thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. At Walgreens, we know that your day doesn't stop for diabetes. So when you've got places to go and people to see, count on Walgreens every day to get expert diabetes advice 24-7. Find all major brands of testing supplies like Walgreens True Metrics in-store and online. And download tools to help you stay on track like our five-star mobile app with Pill Reminder. At Walgreens, we are your diabetes go-to. Stop by and talk to your pharmacist today. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Anyone who has studied history understands liberty doesn't just happen. It requires effort on the part of every generation to understand and live its principles and practices. 